He is worthy of it all. All of our praise, all of our possessions, all of our priorities, he's worthy of our very lives. And Mark and Hank did a wonderful job, a masterful job of setting us up for this text of scripture, a text that's been on my heart this entire week, just overwhelmed by the picture of the majesty of Jesus. And let's ask the Lord to move in our hearts in a powerful way as we look at Revelation 5 this morning. Let's pray. Father, you are indeed worthy of it all. You are the only one that's worthy. Lord, I pray right now as we open up your word, you would speak to our hearts in a powerful way to remind us that you are the object of all of our praise. Lord, would you convict our hearts? Lord, would you prompt some today to proclaim you as Lord? Lord, would you lead us into an incredible time of worship together? We love you, Jesus. I pray you would speak through me, help me to deliver your message to your people for your glory's sake. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Several years ago, my family went on a trip to Washington, D.C. to see the nation's capital. My wife and I are deeply patriotic, and we wanted to teach our children patriotism. And even though they were just five, six, and eight years old, we thought it could be a meaningful experience for them. There's just something about being in Washington, D.C. and seeing all the monuments, especially there at the Washington Mall area. I remember that day walking up the Washington Mall. You see over to one side, the Lincoln Memorial, a memorial dedicated to perhaps the most well-respected president in our nation's history. And it was on the steps of that memorial where Martin Luther King Jr. gave his famous I Have a Dream speech. And you can see the uh, Vietnam War Memorial where 70,000 names are engraved in stone to remind us of the sacrifice that many paid for our freedom. And there in the middle of the Washington Mall is the Washington Monument. When it was built, it was the tallest man-made structure in the world. And on the capstone, it says, the English translation is, praise be to God. On the Washington Monument. And then on the far end of the Washington Mall is the U.S. Capitol, the place where some of the most important decisions in our nation's history were made. Some of the most majestic speeches given in our nation's history were given there in that Capitol building. And I am just taking it in, the majesty of the moment there at our nation's capital, and hoping my kids are responding likewise. I'm walking in front, my wife's in the back, our three kids are in the middle of us, and I hear my son say, Dad, look, Dad, look. And I wonder what caught his attention, whether it was a memorial there at the Washington Mall or a flag flapping in the wind or perhaps a decorated soldier walking down the path and I turn around to see what my eight-year-old son is looking at. He says, look, Dad, I found a nut. <laughs> and he bends down and he picks up an acorn and puts it in his hand and shows it to Dad. And there in that moment, I had two initial reactions. My first reaction was this, son, that's nothing special. Washington, D.C. is full of nuts. <laughs> and secondly... I realized he missed it. He missed it. 
The majesty of the moment. He, he missed the, 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 the awe-inspiring view of our nation's capital. He was so bored looking at these buildings that he's looking at acorns on the ground. And he missed it. And my fear is that sometimes we can miss it too. The times we can come in this room and we can read the Word of God. We can hear preaching about the salvation that's available through Him. We can sing songs about the beauty and the majesty of the Creator of the universe. But yet we can miss it. We can be focused on something as as infinitesimal as an acorn on the ground and miss the majesty of God. And so my hope in the sermon this morning is that we will experience a picture of Jesus who's worthy to be worshipped. And we'll be reminded yet again that He is worthy of it all. We jump into Revelation chapter 5. As Hank said, John is on the island of Patmos. He's been imprisoned there because of preaching the gospel. He's going to live the rest of his life on this prison island, the Alcatraz of the ancient world. And there on that island, the elderly man gets a vision from God. And he writes the letters to the seven churches and, and earlier in the book. And then in chapter 4, he's taken to the throne room of God where he sees God sitting on a throne in His majesty. And then in chapter 5, the gaze of John is taken to what's in the right hand of God. He zooms in, not just the right hand of God, but what's in the right hand of God. He's dumbstruck as he sees in the right hand of God is a scroll. And on this scroll is the plan for what God is doing with the world. It's the plan for all mankind is written on this scroll. And we pick up Revelation chapter 5, verse 1. I'm reading from the ESV what John sees. He says, Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written on, written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break the seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. The scroll has writing on both sides. Evidently, God had duplex printing on his printer there. And it's sealed up, rolled up, and sealed with seven seals. Seven is the number of perfection. So it's saying it's a perfectly sealed scroll. And the angel comes and says, If you want to know what God's plan is for mankind, you have to find someone who's worthy enough to read the scroll. Now, not worthy in the way that you and I think of worthiness. Not someone who's strong enough to open it up. Not someone who, who's smart enough to interpret the words. He's saying worthy. Who is worthy to walk up to God, to stand in the presence of God, to be given a scroll from God's hand and perfect enough to open up the seven perfect seals? Who is worthy? And so a search begins. It says there in verse 3, they first look in heaven. Maybe one of these creatures, one of these angels, one of these beings that's there is able to open the scroll. But no one in heaven is found worthy to open the scroll. And so the search goes to earth. Maybe, maybe there's a pastor somewhere or a missionary. 
Maybe there's a Bible college president or an Ivy League graduate or an athlete or an actor, someone who's able to open the scroll, but in earth no one is found worthy to open the scroll. Desperation sinks in and they begin to look under the earth. And yet no one under the earth is found able to open the scroll. No one's worthy. And brothers and sisters, if you and I were on earth that day, we would have been found unworthy as well. Unworthy because of our sin, unworthy because of our selfishness, unworthy because we are not perfect people able to approach God. And so desperation sinks in. And look how John responds, verse 4. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. John is crying the way you cry when no one is watching. I'm talking about puffy eyes and snot bubbles coming out of the nose, that type of crying. Like wailing crying. Some of you have experienced that before where in fact you cry so much you can cry no more tears, but yet you're still crying. And as he's in this, this, this stupor where he's just crying, he's devastated. He's crying for three reasons. One, because he wants to know what's on the scroll. He wants to know God's plan. Secondly, he's crying because of all the image bearers God has made, of all of God's creation, there's not a single one that's worthy to open the scroll. And third, he's crying because that includes him, John, the son of Zebedee, the, the son of thunder who became the apostle of love, the beloved disciple. John did not run away from the cross like the other disciples did. He was at the cross. And it was there when Jesus asked John to take care of his mother Mary upon his death. John was the one that outran Peter to get to the empty tomb. John was there in the garden when Jesus was praying and and sweating drops of blood. John was one of Jesus' inner circle. John is, get this, the the, the last living of the 12 disciples. And even John's not worthy. Verse 4, I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. An elder taps John on the shoulder and says, stop your crying, John. Wipe your tears. For behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of the family of David, has conquered He's saying, John, don't you remember in Genesis 3 when Adam and Eve were moved out of the garden? God said that there will come one who will put his heel upon the the head of the serpent. And don't you remember, John, in Genesis chapter 12 that Abraham was told that someone would come from his lineage who who would bring the captives back. Don't you remember, John, in Genesis 49 that Jacob said that it's from the tribe of Judah that a lion will come to ransom God's people. Don't you remember, John, in 1 and 2 Samuel it talks talks about that this will be from the lineage of David. You see, John, this is from the creation of the world. God had a plan. And this, this lion from the tribe of Judah was sent who came from God. And he's also the root, not, not the stem of David, not the fruit of David. He existed before David. He's the root of David. And John 
begins to look around for this lion of the tribe of Judah. Where is he in the room? Where's the one that's worthy? It says here in verse 6, And between the throne and the four living creatures, and among the elders I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out to all the earth. When John lifts his head, he sees a lamb, a peculiar lamb. This lamb was peculiar because it looked like it had been killed. It looked like it had been slain, but it's obviously standing up alive. The lamb looked like the lamb, looked like the lambs that the priests would offer as sacrifice at the temple for the forgiveness of people's sins. That's what the lamb looked like. It looked like he had been sacrificed. He had been killed. But here he is standing alive in the throne room of heaven. And John uses this poetic language to describe this lamb. He says he has seven horns and seven eyes. In the Old Testament, uh, a picture of a horn was a picture of knowledge. It's emanating from, from the head. It has knowledge. And the picture of eyes certainly is vision. And so the number seven is the number of perfection. And so what John's saying is this slain lamb that's now alive was perfect in his knowledge, was perfect in his seeing, that he's the all-knowing and all-seeing lamb who was dead and now alive, standing in the throne room. And we begin to realize who this lamb is. We, we hearken back to John the Baptist when he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the world. That this lamb in heaven, standing in the throne room, who's been killed but is now alive, is actually Jesus. Who is he? Jesus, say his name with me. Who is he? Jesus. And he went and took the scroll, verse 7. The lamb went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. The slain lamb who is now alive, who's standing in the throne room, walks up to God. Looks God in the face in the presence of God and is able. God gives him the scroll to this lamb. And all the creatures are in awe because there is one that's worthy. There's a lamb who, who's worthy. And they watch this worthy one approach God and receive the scroll because he is worthy. Praise be to God. There is one worthy to approach God. And when he had taken the scroll, verse 8, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb each holding a harp with golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. As soon as he takes the scroll, all praise breaks loose. The elders are falling down. Talks about in chapter 4, they're replacing their crowns at the feet of the one on the throne. They grab their harps and they fall down on the ground with their harps. They take, they're holding these bowls of incense, which are my prayers and your prayers. That they're placing before God and they lay them at the feet of the Lamb that was dead and is now alive, saying, you are worthy. You are worthy. And they sing a song. Listen to the song they sing. Verse 9. And they sing a new song. I just want to stop right there. If you don't like singing new songs and worship here on earth, you're going to be really disappointed when you get to heaven. <laughs> because it says right here, they sing what kind of song? A new song. 
And the new song said, they sing a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you are slain and by your blood you ransom people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. They list three reasons why this lamb is worthy. First of all, it says he's worthy because he's been slain. That, get this, he was slain, but now he's alive. He didn't stay dead, but this lamb is now alive. And so first of all, you're worthy because you conquered death and you were the sacrificial lamb who died and rose again. Secondly, you're worthy. The song says you ransom people for God from every tribe and language, every people and nation. You ransom people. You understand the concept of ransom, don't you? You've watched enough Liam Neeson movies to know what ransom means. Like, let's imagine that one of you kidnapped one of my kids. And you send me a message that says, I'll give you your kid back, but the ransom is $10,000. Now, depending on which kid you took, you may call 30 minutes later and say, how about $5,000 if you could come before 5 o'clock? And I've got to come up with $5,000. So I withdraw all the money from my bank account. I sell some things. I come to you and ask to borrow some money. And I finally get together $5,000. And I go buy a briefcase. You've got to have a briefcase when you pay the ransom amount, right? And so I go get the briefcase. And I put the $5,000 in the briefcase. And I drive around to the back side of the Walmart. That's where these type place things go down, right? Back by the pallets and the dumpsters behind the Walmart. And I'm back there in this old white van with no windows pulls up beside me. And I lower down the windows and I show the $5,000, and you open up the door and you show my child, and then we exchange. I give you the money, I pay the ransom, and you give me my child. And I take my child and I just begin to hug them. And I begin to weep, saying, you are worth it. Whether it was 5000 or 10000 or or $100,000, whatever I had to pay, you were worth it. The ransom was worth getting you back. Folks, the Bible says that you and I are separated from God because we're sinners. Sometimes we don't like to think of that language. In fact, they had a study they did with a group of people. They put a group of people together and had them answer these questions. And one of the questions says, uh, do you lie? And 83% of people said, yes, I lie. And then later on the the questions, there was a question, um, are you a liar? And only 30% of people said that they were liars. And so we obviously as, as humans have separated behavior from identity. Folks, us sinning doesn't make us sinners. Rather, we sin because we're sinners. Because we're sinners, because our identity is sinners, we respond by sinning. And because we're sinners, we're separated from God. But the good news of the gospel is this, that God sent his son Jesus, the perfect lamb, to be our ransom, to pay the price to get us back to God. And when Jesus died on the cross, when the lamb was crucified on the cross and rose again as a slain lamb now standing alive, he paid the ransom to bring us back to be with God. So the three reasons he's worthy. One, he was slain and now he lives. Secondly, he's ransomed. He ransomed the people for God to bring them back. And third, it says, the third reason he's worthy, it says here, is that uh, in verse 10, that, you, that, God, that Jesus, the slain lamb, has made us a kingdom and priests to our God. 
Who in the Old Testament, who were the only people that were able to commune with God directly? Who were the people that could go into the temple, even the Holy of Holies, and offer sacrifice and be in the presence of God? Who are they? The priest. And so what it's saying here is that, that Jesus, when he paid the ransom, the slain lamb has made all the believers priests. Meaning we can now approach God. That, that we can now commune with God. That because he is worthy, we have been made able to approach God. We approach God not because we're worthy, but we can approach God because he is worthy. When I was 10 years old, Joe will will understand this, I believe. One of the things I loved, there was nothing better than open up a pack of freshly minted baseball cards. I love baseball cards. And I would immediately flip through them to see if I had any cards of my favorite players and then I'd, I'd separate the cards out of my favorite players and then players that I knew I could trade to other people on the playground. There was this one fifth grader that on the playground, he would trade his own mother for his favorite first baseman. That's how desperate he wanted those cards. And I thought at 10 years old that I'd be retired by 40 because of the value of my baseball cards. But here I am, not retired, with a closet full of cards worth pennies. Now, I've got a friend who owns a baseball card that's worth quite a bit of money. It's a 1982 Topps Future Stars card. It features three players who are moving from the minor leagues to the major leagues, and they were potentially future stars. On that card are three players. The first is a guy named Bobby Bonner. Bobby was a shortstop who played a grand total of 61 games in the pros where he batted 194 and had zero home runs. The second player on the card was Jeff Schneider. Jeff was a pitcher who played just ended up playing just one year in Major League Baseball where he pitched 24 innings and gave up 13 runs. The third future star on the card was an all-star, voted an all-star 19 times, had over 3,000 hits, more than 400 home runs, nearly 1,700 RBIs. He was a multiple-time MVP and Gold Glove winner and was named the shortstop, shortstop for the MLB All-Century team. He played over 3,000 games for the Baltimore Orioles and set the record for the most consecutive games played without sitting out. Who knows his name? Cal Ripken, Jr., my friend, I looked a card up on eBay, and this card in mint condition is worth sales for over $2,000 on eBay. Now, imagine you're walking down the street and you run into Bob Bonner or Jeff Schneider. And, of course, they got to tell you they play Major League Baseball because you've never heard of them before. And Bob Bonner, you, you say, hey, so uh, were, were you like any good? He goes, I'll just tell you this much. One of my baseball cards... Is worth $2,000. Wow. You'd laugh, wouldn't you? Because you know Bob Bonner has nothing to do with his card being worth $2,000. The reason that baseball card is worth $2,000 is not because of anything Bob Bonner did. It's because he's on a card with Cal Ripken Jr. Folks, Our worth is not because of anything we've done. It's because of who we're with. 
We're worthy to approach God, not because of our own accomplishments or our own statistics. We're able to approach God because we're with the one who's worthy. And we are worthy to approach God because we are with him. It has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with him. But some people think that they're worthy to approach God based on their own merits. Don't be fooled. We don't become worthy because of who we are, but because of who we're with. I'm reminded of Romans chapter 5. Paul says, "Just as for justice through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners. So also through the obedience of one man, many will be made righteous. That when we submit to follow Christ, when we say we give our obedience to him, we give our, 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 our allegiance to him, that his righteousness, his worth is passed on to us so that we are worthy to approach God. Because of him. Now, how do we respond to the lamb that's worthy? Well, listen how they responded in heaven. This is verse 11. Then I And all the elders and the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, and they're saying with a loud voice. Get this. Here's what they're singing. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. That's what they're saying in heaven. All the creatures in heaven are worshiping the lamb who's worthy. But the worship doesn't stop in heaven. In fact, we see in verse 13, it spills out into earth and over all of God's creation. It says in verse 13, And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all in them saying. You see, it's spread. And it doesn't just say all the Christians are worshiping. It says every creature. Sinners who hate God. Righteous people who love God. Every creature is every deer and every rabbit, every tree. Those in the sea, those under the earth. Those who died turning their back on God are now, here's what they're saying. I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that's in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped him. People are singing the praise of the lamb. All creation is singing the praise of the lamb who was slain who is now alive, who approaches God as a ransom for our sin and gives us the ability to be priests who can approach God as well. And you see this image, people are laying down everything they have to Him. The elders are bowing down. We see earlier they're laying down their harps. They're laying down their crowns. It's not being taken from them. They're giving it away freely. It's not like when a person's taken to prison and they take all their possessions before they go into the prison cell. It's more like the picture of a toddler who has a remote and won't give it back. And they're running around the house and they're putting the remote in their mouth and chewing on it. Then they're sticking in their diaper, hopefully in that order. And all you want to do is watch your show. And you try to get the remote back from the toddler. And you, you're strong enough. You could go over to the toddler and just take it out of their hands. But instead, what you do is you take their favorite stuffed animal and you show it to them. Do you want quacky? And you squeeze quacky's belly and he makes a squeak, makes a quack. 
And all of a sudden, the toddler turns around. And what you have is worth more than what the toddler has. And so they drop the remote to come and get quacky. You see, there's a day coming when we will drop everything because we realize what we have is nothing compared to the worth of King Jesus. There's a day coming when you will drop your possessions, your fame, your fortune. You'll drop your prestige. You'll drop your ambitions to say these things may be valuable to me, but nothing to compare to Him who is worthy. And when we understand how worthy Jesus is, we drop everything to worship Him. In a few moments, we're going to have a chance to do that as the altar is going to be open. I'm going to invite you to come forward, if you would, and just bow down and worship Him. Would you be like the elders who are laying down the harps and laying down the bowls and laying down their crowns and just saying, Jesus, we worship you. And maybe for some of you that's saying, I want to follow Jesus as Savior, I want to want to, to accept the ransom blood that he gave. Some of you may say, hey, I'm pu- I pushed God off the throne. I'm sitting on the throne and I need to give him back his rightful place. I want to join this church. I want to rededicate my life. I want to follow God in ministry. Or maybe it's just I want to bow down and say uninterrupted and undisturbed. And I want to just say, Jesus, you're worthy of it all. You know, I hear people say all the time, they look at our world and they talk about how, how horrible things are in the world and how things are going on in the world that are quite disturbing. And I know you have bright plans for your future, but do you realize on the day that he returns, you're going to drop it all for him? And we think about our world, we hear about school shootings, and we hear about sexual identity issues, and we hear about political pressures, and we hear about all this evil that's in our world. And sometimes people ask me, Pastor, what's this world coming to? I mean, what's this world coming to? And I'll tell you what this world's coming to. This world is coming to a day when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all to the glory of the Father, that's what this world's coming to. Revelation 5 said this world's coming to a day when all creation, all the creatures in heaven, on earth, under the earth, in the sea, are going to bow down and say He is worthy. That's what this world's coming to. And we have a chance to practice that this morning as we worship the Almighty King, the Lamb that was slain. Worthy is He who takes the scroll and gives victory over the grave. Let's stand as we prepare to worship Him. King Jesus, as we pray, we ask You to move in a mighty way in our midst, Father. I pray, Jesus, that You will help us with one voice just to proclaim that You are worthy. And those who are here today who need to take they need to take seriously their life. Lord, I would be scared to leave this place today not knowing you as Savior. Not being covered by the blood that was given, that was shed, the ransom for our sin. And I pray you would penetrate hearts today, today to be the day of salvation, Father. Lord, I pray we would get right who is on the throne and we would rightly place you on the throne and Lord we worship you today because all in all heaven and earth and under the earth there was only one found worthy 
of all God's creation, of all who have walked the earth. There's just one who's worthy. And Lord, we praise you today because the Lamb is worthy to receive glory and honor and power and praise to King Jesus. And in his name we pray.